Welcome to the Frankly Speaking Podcast, Friends of Europe's weekly broadcast on the topics of European and world affairs. Coming up this week. So what's going to surprise us? You know, what 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 could you know, the, 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 the black swans, as we used to call them, what could uh, catch us off guard? I think that uh, I'm rather expecting to see some Ukrainian initiatives, some surprise initiatives. You know, a, a Russia that is less uh, moored to the global economic system, to the West economically, will have a different risk calculus when it wants to do things. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the final edition of uh, Frankly Speaking, uh, our weekly podcast uh, on behalf of Friends of uh, Europe. When I say final, I don't mean final ever. I, I simply mean, of course, as we head towards Christmas and the end of the year, uh, the last one uh, in this particular season. Uh, although, of course, we will be back in January. Now, uh, all of you who watch podcasts will probably know that the end of the year is a time for stock taking you know, what has been significant about the year that is passing did we miss anything important did we misunderstand or misinterpret uh, something uh, important uh, where do we stand geopolitically as we exit 2022 and go into 2023 and then of course the other aspect uh, of this exercise is to try to uh, point your attention uh, dear listeners uh, to what to look out for in, in 2023 uh, and to explain to you why that is significant i'll also be asking uh, my two uh, panelists and colleagues today uh, paul taylor uh, senior fellow at friends of europe and, and chris kremidas also senior fellow at friends of europe to hazard always a risky business but to hazard a personal prediction for next year uh, at the uh, very uh, close uh, so paul and chris obviously as always welcome back to the podcast or we're the core team as much as we enjoy having special guests from uh, time to time thanks for joining me for this uh, last edition of 2022 now uh, as you know paul and chris uh, this past year uh, since we started we've been focusing very heavily uh, on the war in ukraine because of course since the putin invaded the country on february the 24th it really has uh, completely monopolized uh, the the attention uh, throughout um, and therefore, my first question will be to you uh, when I give you the floor in just a moment. Uh, where do you think things stand in the war in Ukraine um, as we uh, come to uh, the winter break, presumably the winter break in the fighting? Um, and uh, of course, uh, uh, you think uh, is the relative position of both Ukraine and, and, and Russia, who, who's sort of winning, you know, who has the strategic advantage uh, when presumably the fighting uh, tragically will pick up uh, next spring. Uh, but I also just want to remind everybody that this past year, uh, we've also looked at Iran, disinformation, the future of the European Union, transatlantic relations, Asia Pacific security, uh, the future of technology and security. And last week the western balkans so we've certainly been quite comprehensive uh, and therefore i'm going to ask paul and chris uh, what else struck them uh, beyond ukraine uh, about uh, the events of this year so uh, that's enough from from me by way of an introduction so paul uh, over to you first uh, ukraine where are we well uh, i guess you'd have to say that uh, you, ukraine has already scored an extraordinary moral victory um and i think that Few people really expected uh, Ukraine to stand up the way it did uh, to the Russian assault when it came. Um, and uh, that has been an extraordinary feat. 
Um, it's done so with a lot of Western support and particularly support from the United States in the form of intelligence, uh, weaponry uh, and money. Uh, but it has done so um, on its own uh, uh, courage and uh, determination and innovation and initiative. And so I think that at the end of 2023, you'd have to say that the um, Ukrainians are uh, in a way in, ahead of the game. Um, and therefore, I just question slightly the assumption that uh, there will be such a quite a long winter pause and then things will resume uh, in the spring. I, uh, I, I wonder whether the Ukrainians will not want to use um, the winter season to try and score some more goals. Um, and so I, I think that uh, I'm rather expecting to see some Ukrainian initiatives, some surprise initiatives um, during that period. Um, the, their capacity to innovate has been um, quite extraordinary. And I think it, um, to an extent, stands on its head some of our um, assumptions about what um, war looks like. Um, and uh, that ought to have um, its, uh, find its way into Western defense planning as well uh, uh, over the coming years, uh, although I don't yet see too many signs of that, unfortunately. Um, so, um, you know, Russia has, of course, the, the grinding power. It has um, the strategic depth. Um, it's not, it's, um, it's playing an away game, to use the football term. So it has not had really felt much of the impact of the war on its own soil. Um, and that um, creates a sort of rather illusory situation. Only through the um, uh, mobilization have, has more of Russian society been uh, drawn into it. And the uh, extraordinary uh, iron lid that they have clamped on freedom of expression of any sort has made it difficult for um, the uh, society, those parts of society that are unhappy with the war um, to make their uh, to express their uh, feelings and to make their position known. But I think that the longer it goes on, the harder it will be for Mr. Putin to keep this as a kind of special military operation in some distant corner. Um, and therefore, again, I think that the, the, the domestically subversive um, uh, impact of the war in uh, Russia may be felt more in 2023. Those are a couple of guesses. Chris, over to you. Indeed, Chris, your take. Thank you. It's great to be with both of you. I think, um, you know, I think Paul mainly covered it quite well. But I think another twist I would add to that is I think we're seeing the um, the impacts, uh, broader impacts of a weakened Russia. Uh, you know, the big bear to the east is not quite as scary as they were maybe a year ago. So on the one hand, you know, Ukraine is winning. They do have the advantage. I agree with Paul. They will press the advantage, you know, when one, and, and especially a, such a situation as this, when Ukraine has the advantage, it doesn't make sense to sort of slow down and dig in for the winter. Uh, but I think they're going to continue to press and attack and try to advance as they can. You, know, you don't wait till the spring and wait until the Russians have, have trained up and equipped, you know, large new formations. You want to press the advantage while you can. And they'll do that to the degree they can. But I think taking a broader view, um, looking at the, the impacts of a perception of a weaker Russia and what that means, we're already seeing, for example, in Germany, who promised a Zeitenwende and this all this new military uh, defense spending, they've now uh, are saying that it's going to not be until 2025 that they meet the 2% defense target. So I think 
Uh, you know, I think we're seeing a bit of he a political hedging going on that, you know, well, maybe we don't really need to spend all of this. Maybe this is, you know, maybe it's won't be necessary. So I think these are some debates that are going on. I think also, if we look at a, a global sense, you know, there's a, there's global instability from this conflict for, and as a result of higher food and fuel prices. So in certain places where you have a little um, where it's politically fragile, I think we're going to see situations where there might be some unrest. And this is, you know, Africa, South America, Asia, everywhere. So I think um, those are those are two big things there. Um, other than that, I think for Ukraine, it's can they continue to press the advantage? I think come the springtime, if they are knocking on the door of Luhansk, uh, if they're poised, you know, if they can cross the Dnipro River and start to really th uh, threaten Crimea with ground forces. I think that's when it gets very, I think that's when things get very uh, interesting because, you know, we've seen, I think that's when we'll see renewed nuclear threats from Mr. Putin. You know, if, if you want to retake Crimea, that's when I'll, you know, he'll make the nuclear threat, but we've already seen that, you know, the West and Ukraine has called his bluff on that in the past. And I think the question for us will be, does he mean it this time? So I think those are some things that we'll see in the coming months. Uh, thank Chris. Thanks, Paul. Uh, uh, you complimented each other, of course, well. And, and Chris, your thoughts about the, con the strategic con consequences of dealing with a weak Russia rather than a strong one. Very interesting, particularly seeing how that might play out next year. OK, that, that's uh, where we are with Ukraine. So the second part of my introductory question was, what else did, did you really sort of follow in 2022 uh, uh, that you want to draw our attention to? So, Paul, back to you. Well, there are a couple of things uh, in 2022 that happened that would have, I think, had um, a lot more attention had it not been for the war. Um, one of them was the extraordinary sort of way in which the French got bundled out of uh, the Sahel, or at least out of Mali, and the way in which um, that's a whole sort of strategic picture with, with Russia um, inserting the Wagner Group uh, to support the um, coup leaders in Mali. And essentially, um, uh, um, the combination of war in Ukraine and France's sort of comeuppance in Mali has meant that the whole idea, the whole concept that, that the European Union was going to be doing more to stabilize its southern neighborhood, um, I think, has been called into question. And um, whether we will see some sort of resurgence of uh, jihadi violence spilling over into Europe that um, could, again, make that uh, into uh, a, a higher priority for Europe. I don't know. For the moment, um, it's just sort of been brushed under the rug, I think. Um, and But it's going to be an issue when we look at how Europe, European countries rebuild their armed forces, and they've got a huge job to do. This question of to what extent they should be focusing on territorial defense in Europe and to what extent they should be continuing to have the capability uh, which they needed, would need to do expeditionary crisis management uh, operations uh, uh, around their, that rim, that southern rim uh, in the Middle East and in, uh, um, uh, in Africa, I think is going, to be, is going to be a real straining there of priorities. So uh, that's one that I look at. Um, and the other one, obviously, is, is Iran. I mean, the... Um, I have to say that my assumption based on uh, having covered Iran for 40 years on and off was that um, the, the, the system would crush 
this protest movement as it had crushed previous um, uh, pr protest movements fairly quickly. But I think it's gone deeper and further than I had anticipated. And I think that the whole survival of the regime there is now um, in doubt. Um, and so that's one of the things that I would look to in 2023 uh, is will the Iranian regime survive? And I think, to be honest, it's the first time I've asked myself that question um, for, for 30 years or so. Okay, Paul, thanks very much. I mean, yes, we did see also with recent demonstrations in China, uh, unexpectedly sort of strong uh, resistance to uh, entrenched authoritarian regimes. So perhaps we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. But it does, yes, it does beg the question about you know, how sustainable the protest movements are and how strong or weak uh, the regimes are. So Chris, uh, Paul uh, gave us uh, Iran and the Sahel as his two uh, things that he watched in, in 2022. Apart from Ukraine, what did you have your BDI on? Oh, lots of things. I mean, obviously on the high tech, you know, we're seeing in the next coming year, uh, the arrival of the augmented reality glasses, which will, the smart glasses, which will start to replace the mobile phone. So, you know, this is, these are glasses that can, on the screen, you can look at the street in front of you, but also have information projected in, uh, in front of your eyes on the glasses of your emails or social media or advertising. So I think that's where we start. This is really, 2023 is when we really start to shift from interactive digital uh, experiences to immersive ones. And that's a big shift. We've been talking about that for a while. But I think that getting back to a ge on the, to geopolitics, I think it's easy for it's easy for us to forget that the long Chinese lockdown had a put a downward pressure on global energy demand and prices. And what we're seeing now is as China is starting to relieve COVID measures, this could lead to you know, a renewed demand for energy. We could see a real, you know, once the Chinese are driving cars and moving around again and have a higher demand for, for energy, um, you know, we could see global pro energy prices going up at, at, and applying more pressure uh, across the board, including here in Europe, uh, that, you know, that could have a big impact and put a lot more pressure on governments that are already maybe on the edge about maintaining sanctions on Russian oil and gas. So I think, you know, that that Chinese lockdown really helped us kind of smooth things out for us for uh, for a while. But I think in 23, that will change. Uh, and I think that is going to be something we'll be reckoning with very soon. OK, Chris, thanks very much. So let's uh, transition uh, now to next year. Uh, obviously, there's always elements of continuity because you do from a calendar point of view, it's quite artificial suddenly to, to stop one year and start another one. Things have a tendency to flow over uh, dates as they flow over borders. But I suppose there's always this sense of what's going to surprise us, you know, what 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 could you know, the, 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 the black swans, as we used to call them, what could uh, catch us off guard? Uh, Paul, back to you. Uh, anything in particular that you think might surprise us next year, as opposed to elements of continuity, things that get better? things that get worse. And as always, uh, events, dates, uh, particular things uh, that could have broad significance uh, to keep our, our eye on. Well, a couple of things in, in, in and around Europe that I think are really uh, important uh, milestones next year are two important elections uh, that may uh, help to determine uh, the direction of two important countries, uh, Poland and Turkey. 
uh, start with Turkey. Uh, Turkey has a presidential election next June. Uh, President Erdogan uh, cannot be sure of winning it the way he's been sure of winning in the past. Uh, his economy uh, is in trouble. Uh, he has massive inflation. And he has uh, therefore been putting on a firework display of international uh, diplomacy, but also international uh, bellicosity, if I can use that word. Um, and uh, I think we're going to likely see more of that in the run-up to the election. The more desperate he gets, uh, the more likely are we, we are to see uh, um, Turkish tanks in, in northern Syria, uh, more tension with uh, Greece in the Aegean, uh, uh, more uh, gesticulation uh, at sea in the East Mediterranean and possibly between uh, Turkey and Libya, um, and perhaps also uh, more high-profile mediation efforts uh, uh, between Ukraine and Russia. Um, you know, President Erdogan uh, has uh, played all of those cards quite skillfully, I think, in the last few months, but they're all risky cards um, and they can all uh, um, um, lead to uh, uncontrolled situations. Uh, it's made his relationship with the United States very difficult and very tense at times. Um, and um, I think there are a lot of people who would uh, be uh, happy to see the back of President Erdogan, uh, but um, whether they're actually willing to do anything about it or whether they will have to play along with him uh, and call him sir at least until the 18th of June next year. Um, I think that's one of the questions. In Poland, the question is whether um, a government which has um, uh, defied the European Union about the rule of law and has uh, gone perhaps not as far as Hungary but in the same direction in eroding checks and balances, in dismantling judicial independence, in, in uh, limiting the freedom of the expression of the media, uh, in being uh, um, uh, particularly nasty to uh, LGBT people, um, uh, and in doing so for political purposes. Um, that government now seems to, the ruling party of Mr. Kaczynski seems determined to seek re-election by running against Brussels, and against Berlin, uh, they've slapped in a demand for 1.3 trillion euros in reparations for World War II damage. And I think you can expect to see uh, a, a sort of anti-German, anti-Brussels campaign there. And the question is whether the forces on the other side of liberal democracy um, can coalesce or at least be coherent enough and produce uh, a really convincing alternative uh, to the conservative nationalism of Mr. Kuczynski, who has benefited, I think, from the war and from the, you know, the, the leading role that Poland has played, both in supporting Ukraine and in absorbing, uh, in a remarkable manner, uh, you know, several million Ukrainian refugees. So uh, I think those are the two things I'm looking at. Thanks, Paul. Yes, because there are elections which change countries and elections which change continents or, or international relations as, as such. Um, Chris, uh, what have you sort of got your eye on in 2023? 
Thanks, Jamie. Uh, well, Paul stole my points on Turkey. <laughs> no, he wrote the report on the region, so I, it's more of it's his to say. Uh, I think. Well, first, I think let's let's stop and acknowledge a piece of good news, and that is, in one month time, Croatia will join the eurozone, and this mm -hmm. is the second former Yugoslavian state after Slovenia to not only join the EU but join the eurozone to be you know integrated to that degree, and, and I think that is such an accomplishment. If we look at it, just the last thirty years. I think that's such an accomplishment, it's worth stopping and pausing that Croatia not only has a really good football side, I mean, for a country of 4 million people to be able to put out such good teams, but that they're in it, they're integrating to that degree in, in less than a month from now. So I think that's a piece of good news. We can maybe stop and say, well done, EU, well done, Croatia, well done, Slovenia. But yeah, they I come think I have to go... as well, don't they? So they get a sort yes. of double, double yes. hit. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, there's there's good news here. Uh, and I think... But for the, the, the other things I'm, I'm thinking about, they have a lot more to do with that theme of a weakened Russia. You know, a weakened Russia, of course, will be less predictable. You know, his own, some pundits in Moscow are urging Mr. Putin to uh, send forces into Kazakhstan to, quote, protect ethnic Russians um, at the same time that they can't even scare up enough units to throw into the lines in Ukraine. So I think, you know, a, a Russia that is less uh, moored to the global economic system, to the West economically, will have a different risk calculus when it wants to do things. I think, uh, in particular, a weaker Russia is, is, as Paul rightly noted, will create space for players like Turkey in the Caucasus and Syria to maybe be a little more assertive. I also have to wonder aloud at you know, the, the two regimes in Africa that are being propped up by Wagner and supported by, you know, there are clients of Wagner, uh, a a weakened Russia or a even a collapsing Russia will not be in a position to support them. And you know, I, I think you know, I, obviously, people in Brussels at the EU will be keeping an eye on that. But you know, those uh, those those uh, Wagner supported states may not be. They, they, let's just say it may not last. Um, I think the other thing uh, with the weakened Russia is, um, and obviously, you know, um, obviously. The big question for me is how does this war end? I mean, it's not, I don't see a clean end. You, you, you can't impose a surrender on a nuclear armed nation <laughs> like the Russian Federation or any of them. So I think it's, I, I think we're going to muddle ahead. Um, I'll save my other predictions for later, but I, I think we are going to be dealing with the impacts of weakened Russia, but it, it, perhaps more importantly for us in the West, uh, will a, will, will a transatlantic bond be weakened if there's a, uh, a, a less uh, powerful, uh, less strong Russia uh, threatening from the east, will you know? Will this? Will that weaken? Will that weaken the transatlantic bond in the near and longer term? So I'll leave it at that, and we can talk predictions later. Yep. Yeah, uh, th thanks to both of you. Well, uh, as we come to the close of the podcast, uh, what I noticed is, if I'm summarizing this right, that the U2 uh, 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 sort of uh, observers of the uh, Delphic Oracle uh, believe that uh, obviously the Ukrainian conflict is unlikely to end uh, early in 2023, if at all, uh, during the year. But you're still optimistic that Ukraine has the the moral fiber uh, and the staying power uh, and the innovative capacity uh, to make life difficult for the Russians. Russians certainly, I think, if I'm summarizing it, don't have the strategic advantage uh, 
not now. Uh, Chris, you turned our attention to the consequences of a weaker Russia, which may at first sight sound very attractive after what we've seen since February, but you pointed out unpredictability, more independent, uh, less constrained, more adventurist, uh, less able to control its client states. It could pose a whole new series of headaches. Uh, Paul, you mentioned uh, the strong resistance in Iran, and it will be interesting next year to see if the regime uh, using repression and uh, convicting people to death uh, for apparently blocking a road, if I've understood it correctly, uh, if that regime will reassert itself. Uh, uh, we uh, also heard, Paul, that we mustn't forget Africa. Uh, military duties are not just confined to collective defence in the East. Chris, you mentioned to keep an eye on immersive technology coming our way soon, although you would say already here as a technology expert. Uh, you also looked at the consequences of long-term inflation, long-term uh, energy costs, uh, energy squeezes uh, on the uh, global economy and the rise of populism and the impact that that could have on solidarity uh, with Ukraine. Paul next year looked at the impact of two important elections in Poland and in Turkey. Um, uh, we also, of course, uh, looked, Chris, at the consequences for the transatlantic relationship uh, of a weaker Russia, because Russia has so much been the glue in NATO, of course, uh, including in the days of the Soviet Union. But you also, Chris, gave us a piece of good news with uh, uh, Croatia, even before we know the verdict of the outcome of their game against Argentina in the World Cup this evening. And yes, it's nice to know that even a world which is so marked by gloom and doom and a sense of things always getting worse, uh, it's Brazil this evening, not Argentina. Did I make a mistake there? Forgive me. I also, I'm showing my ignorance of the masterful game of football i knew it was a team from latin america in any case uh but um uh, but there are good news stories you know life moves on our lives move on humanity moves on uh, uh there may be good things out there and we need to draw our attention okay so thanks for your uh, excellent uh, uh prognosis but now finally and very briefly uh your uh personal prediction have the courage to make one so paul what are you predicting next year i wouldn't go as far to say as a prediction but I have at least a, um, uh, a doubt in my mind as to whether Vladimir Putin will still be running Russia at the end of next year. That is bold. So, but you are a man of courage. Chris, are you prepared to be equally bold? I am. Uh, I think by the 1st of July, Ukrainian forces will have retaken Mariupol. They'll be knocking on the door of Crimea which will cause Western allies who want to have lots of consultations with them, because I think that's when everyone will get quite nervous about them going farther. But, uh, you know, if you're Ukraine, you want to retake your territory. So I think I, that's my one prediction. The other one is not, these aren't really predictions, but they're just a few facts. And that is uh, that India is projected to become the most populous country in the world this year, surpassing China. And the, Im the impacts of climate change that we've seen the last few years or these, these the rise of floods, fires, they will continue. Uh, and so by the time we get to COP28 in, in the UAE next year, um, you know, I, I would hope that we're, we've made some progress, but that will continue to happen. Thanks, Chris. So you've been both equally bold. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for, again, following us uh, today. 
we will be back, as I've said, in January. Uh, and uh, whether the predictions pan out or not, we'll be doing our level best as the three senior fellows uh, in peace, security, defence at Friends of Europe with our special guests, with our weekly podcast uh, to track events, uh, to analyse them, to make them intelligible uh, for you, to give you a sense of why uh, we should all care uh, about them uh, and also to convey what's going right about the world, because undoubtedly the three of us will spend a lot of time focusing on what's going wrong. But but in the meantime, enjoy the Christmas break, uh, a prosperous and happy new year to all of you. And we look forward to returning before too long in January. Bye for now. That's it for this Frankly Speaking podcast. Consider subscribing to our newsletter or following us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And don't forget to tune in again this time next week.